Growing a successful design business is hard work. There's so much to do and so little time to get it all done, not to mention the actual design work. The good news is that we are here to help. I'm Krista, the WordPress developer and website strategist from KristaRay.co. And I'm Corey, the designer and creative coach from CoreyWoodard.com. In the Get Back to Design podcast, we're going to share strategies and tools to help streamline and grow your design business, ditch the code and anything else you don't love, and well, get back to design. Grab a cup of coffee, open that Illustrator file you've been working on, and let's dive in. Today's episode is thanks to another great survey question we got, and it went something like, sometimes I struggle with the footer. What should I include and how? And what about sidebars? How can they be really strategic? So I love this question. I'm all about you guys wanting to learn more about strategy, especially for, you know, really specific areas like this. And I love talking about the sidebar and footer specifically because they tend to get overlooked a lot in design projects and kind of end up serving as a dumping ground or being totally forgotten about completely, especially when it comes to strategy. And if there is one place that designers tend to let their clients kind of take over in web design projects, it really seems to be the sidebar. You know, they let their clients say exactly what should go in there, and then the footer is just kind of usually forgotten about. So today I'm excited to talk about how you can make the sidebars and footers in your website designs just as strategic as the rest of the site and not just kind of including them as an afterthought. Yeah, I am really happy that we are talking about this because I have had several clients where they have dictated exactly Mm -hmm. what they think should go in the sidebar and exactly what order. And most of the time, you know, we've said this in past episodes, you just kind of have to roll with it and let them control that. But a lot of the times it can be beneficial to kind of talk to your clients and explain to them you know, why certain things wouldn't be good in one place or another, or even just the order of these things. So I'm happy that we are talking about this more so that the people listening can feel confident enough to start educating their clients on these things. Yes. And that is like one of the biggest things. And that leads me right into what I was going to talk about first, which is where people go wrong with the sidebar specifically. And the biggest thing is letting your clients decide exactly what goes in there. And like you said, some of them think they know everything. They know exactly what they want in there and we can't do anything about it. Uh, The last clients that Corey and I teamed up on were actually like that. There's a ton of stuff in their sidebar, a lot of stuff the two of us don't agree with. We tried to tell them, and, you know, at the end of the day, all we can do is tell them what we think and why, and then let them make the decision. So in most projects, though, you want to give your clients a little freedom if you can, but they're not going to take a second to think about you know, what each item they want to include actually does for their business. They're just thinking, oh, I want this because it's what everyone has, or I want this because I have to put it somewhere, you know. So this is where you have to do some client education if you do have people like that. Maybe kind of, as much as I am afraid to say it, ignore them for this (laughs) specifically and design the sidebar the way you think it should be designed, you know, after we go through today's episode record a video of yourself walking through the website, tell them why you included each specific thing in the sidebar and why you did not include what they um, suggested. And then of course say, but if you really want those things in there, 
let me know. This is just why I didn't include it. So you're doing some education while leaving the door open for them to not feel like they have no control over their own website. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, it's like we were saying, you can't control everyone, but it Mm -hmm. is important to make sure that your clients know about the strategic reasons you would place certain things. And, you know, I'm thinking here, what if we didn't ask our clients what they wanted in their sidebar? (laughs) Like like if if they already have a site, just to go off what you kind of see on their site is like most important for their business or go through, you know, your consult call notes or whatever it is. And then you don't even have to worry about the client trying to be a dictator. (laughs) Exactly. If you know what the goals of their site are, you have everything you need to make those decisions. So I like the idea of if you guys ask what they want in their sidebar, just go ahead and delete that little question (laughs) from your questionnaire and pretend it never existed. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. So another place where a lot of designers go wrong with um, making strategic sidebars is including things that don't support the client's goals. So if a client said that their goals are to grow their email list, build trust with their audience, and maybe grow a strong Instagram following, there should not be links to other blogs, there should not be ads, and there should not be like three other random social media widgets in the sidebar. The things in the sidebar should be totally focused on the goals they laid out, which we'll get into. Um, But just kind of throwing random things in there is a really big mistake with sidebars. And then last is just including too many items. So an effective sidebar should only have about four things in it. It shouldn't be this long, crazy thing that goes, you know, the whole length of a blog post. Anything more than those four items really becomes more of a distraction and a place that contains too many calls to action. Because when you think about it, that's all a sidebar is. It has, you know, maybe a headshot and bio, but other than that, it's just a whole bunch of calls to action and having too many just overwhelms people. So that's something else you want to look out for. Yeah, and I think these last two points that you've made go back to just the education. Mm -hmm. So I know um, one of the clients that I had last year, she actually did want to include links to other blogs. And, you know, as crazy as we think that is because it's not helping her in any way, um, she included this on her about page at the very bottom as just blogs that she really liked to read. And another good place you could put stuff like that is a resources page. So this goes back to kind of educating your client on, you know, this is where other people may have it, but let's put it in another place so it doesn't totally distract everyone, but you still are sharing that information. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. So let's talk about what you guys need before diving into designing a strategic sidebar. First up, you need your client's goals because you can't make anything on a website strategic if you're just kind of guessing what would be good for them or throwing in random items. So in episode 48, we talked about discovering your client's goals. So go back and listen to that one if you haven't yet because the rest of this will like make a whole lot more sense and you know leave less unknowns for you to try to figure out yourself. Um, So in that episode, we talked about uncovering your client's big main goal, as well as some smaller kind of supporting goals that are easier for you to represent on a website. And for this specifically, for making the sidebar strategic, you'll want to focus on those smaller goals. So you want to make sure you've dug those up before worrying about what to put in the sidebar. Next, you need to know if the site should even include a sidebar. 
So a website should always have a footer, so we won't talk about that when we get down to the footer section here, but the same cannot be said for sidebars. They're not a good fit for every person, business, or set of goals, but they are good for some. So how to know if a sidebar should be included? If there are certain things your clients want their audience to see a lot about, things like maybe featured posts, certain opt-ins, if they make a lot of money on their blog through ads, a sidebar is probably a good fit for them. Um, it's a good way to let people see things over and over when they're viewing a site and just kind of an extra excuse to get something specific in front of them. So those are a couple things you can think about when you're deciding if you should include one. Corey, do you have anything else you think about when you are designing sites? Um, something that just came to mind is if someone has not a lot of things that they would include in the sidebar. So for example, if someone would just include like their headshot and the bios, maybe some social media links in an opt-in form. <laughs> That's not really a lot of things. And I think sometimes if your sidebar is too short, it can end up being just as distracting as if it's yeah. way too long. It's like, this is weird. So yeah, so in that instance, I kind of consider how many things we're putting in there. And then mm -hmm. if it's just not a lot, I kind of set up the footer to include those things instead. Nice, I like that. So a couple more ways you can tell if a sidebar should not be included is if they have a couple really, really specific things they want their readers to do and don't want any distractions in the way of those visitors. So for myself, I really want people opting in. I don't really need, a, I don't need them to do a lot of other things. So I don't have a sidebar on my site. I don't want to distract people with anything else. And that's a, probably a lot like what you were just saying. If people just want someone to focus on an email opt-in, why not put that in the footer instead of having this whole other big section for it? Um, also, if your client is one that doesn't want to worry about maintenance and upkeep, a sidebar is probably a good thing to keep off because it's really important to keep the information there current. So they don't want to go, you know, two years without updating the opt-in or their bio or whatever else is in there. So if they're kind of wanting to be hands-off with their website, a sidebar is probably a good thing to leave out. Yeah, and this is something else that's important to keep in mind when you are making the um, overall website really easy to update mm -hmm. is sometimes clients are really into that and they are they really want to be able to take care of everything themselves but like you were saying there are some people who are like I couldn't care less I just want this thing to sit here and help me make money yeah and um, I know that I have stumbled upon sites where it seems like people are like this and then at times my own site has kind of become this kind mm -hmm. of way and an example of how you can tell is if you go to someone's site and their social media handles have changed, yet they haven't updated their <laughs> links, then you can kind of get an idea of how often they're checking these like random places on their site. And if you're a client, you go to their website and you're like, your Facebook link has been broken since who knows when, then they probably don't need a sidebar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A good example. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing um, you can look at to before you dive into creating a strategic sidebar is kind of making a plan for what pages to include the sidebar on. So, you know, this could have been in our portion right at the beginning about mistakes people make with the sidebar, but I didn't want to give it away and I had more to talk about. So sidebars do not belong on every page of a website. 
only pages where your clients would be kind of okay with people getting distracted by something in the sidebar rather than what they see or are there for on their current page. Those are the only pages you want it on. So usually that includes just the blog and like single blog posts. So you definitely don't want it on products or services pages. Um, the shop could have its own sidebar that helps people like filter and sort and navigate through the products, but you don't want a whole bunch of random things listed out when people are looking at buying something um, because it's just too distracting. So if the rest of the site you're making is strategic, you probably also don't want it on places like the about page and the contact page because you will have specific calls to action created for those pages. So maybe the bottom of the about page, you're sending people to an email opt-in or a services page. You'd rather have them get there than get distracted by something random in the sidebar. And same goes for the contact page. So usually the blog and single posts are the only place that it's really okay for people to get distracted and that's really the only places um, you want a sidebar on. So let's talk about what to actually include in the sidebar. Um, we've talked about kind of everything up to this, so we'll just dive right in now. Uh, the first thing I think it, you know, for almost every business these days, you want a headshot and bio. Um, the only time where this you wouldn't want this is maybe if it's not a personal business. And I can't actually think of any examples, um, but maybe it's more of a corporation or something like that. Maybe a headshot and bio wouldn't make sense. Uh, but if you're going to have a sidebar, you might as well use that opportunity to build trust with the audience and having a headshot and quick introduction is a perfect and really easy way to do that. Um, the last item you should always include is a search bar. So first, headshot and bio, last, always a search bar. And in between that is where you get to kind of put your thinking cap on and get strategic here. So between those, you want one item for each of your client supporting goals, starting with the most important. So if their goals, like I think we gave this example before, were to grow their email list, build trust through their content, and grow their Instagram following, you could then choose to include, you know, their headshot and bio, then an email sign up with an opt-in incentive, maybe a few featured posts, and then maybe a couple pictures from their Instagram feed. From there, you would leave out anything else that would distract from those things, and you would let those things sit there and just support their goals. So it's really as easy as that. When you know your client's goals, this is really easy because you can directly translate those goals into items on the sidebar. Yeah, and I think it's really important to mention here because I'm thinking of a few of the themes we have done for Coded Creative. Um, you can make certain things stand out a little bit more, especially like mm -hmm. if you know, so their number one goal is to grow their email list. The themes I was thinking of, I think are like market, mm -hmm. bloom, there's another one, I can't remember, I think it might be magnolia, yeah. where we put a background color for the opt-in form and there's not a background color on anything else in the sidebar. So that's automatically gonna make that pop to any of your clients' visitors if you do something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's going to help them reach that number one goal. And then, you know, kind of going forth with the other things you mentioned here, I'm like putting my designer cap on. I like it. You can show like the full images for featured blog posts maybe, but I would say maybe don't show the full pictures for Instagram because I think sometimes people can get confused as to what they're looking at. And this goes back to client education and what their goals are specifically because... 
say someone wanted to grow their Pinterest following, you would put a Pinterest widget, but you wouldn't be like showing these giant images for that they're pinning in their sidebar. So kind of keep in mind um, the hierarchy, not just in the order of things that you are putting on there, but how you are actually designing them and trying to get them to stand out as well. Mm-hmm. Those are very good points. I like those, especially... Uh, you guys, you should go to our Coded Creative website, codedcreative.co, and look at the market theme that she mentioned because she did an amazing job with designing that. So someone with the goal of an email list would have that stick out in the sidebar. And yes, there are other things, but someone's eye is always going to be drawn to that opt-in first. So it's a really great thing to think about. Oh, yeah. I I think I never even thought about that until I got to designing that theme. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said, it's such a fun way to bring an extra pop of color to their site. Like if you design yeah. stuff kind of like me and it's all white and kind of boring <laughs> looking, then you can like have this nice pop of color, especially if they have like bright colors like you do, Krista. And like I said, make sure that their audience is like, whoa, what is that thing yelling at me from the sidebar, even if they are reading the blog post? Mm -hmm, For sure. So now let's jump into a few things that you should not include in a sidebar. And these are specifically things I just see included over and over again, and they aren't beneficial and they're just distracting. So I wanted to touch on them quick. Uh, First is the promotion of evergreen products, especially high-priced. And by evergreen, I mean something that's always available. So if you tend to include these things, I want you to think about if you have ever been to someone's website and seen something, you know, seriously over $20 in the sidebar and decided to buy it. Because I have not. I I would not even consider buying something from the sidebar. They got to convince me that I need that thing. And that's where funnels come in. That's where you would want the email opt-in instead of this, you know, evergreen product or service promotion. So usually those are things you want to skip over. Um, Something else you don't want to include for the most part are archives. So those are like either drop-down lists or just like bulleted lists of months and years and say how many posts were published in that month. It's like, nobody cares. Nobody is gonna like just click and see like, oh, what did they publish in March of 2017? No, that's not how people use websites. So if your client wants something like that, try to get them to use something like categories, like making categories really easy to navigate or even including those on the sidebar instead, because that's something that's more likely to be helpful for website viewers. I think the only time this would be really beneficial for a website viewer is if they were like, I want to know what the very first post ever (laughs) is that this person wrote. And I'm laughing because I have done that before and I'll like keep clicking and changing the page number in the URL bar because I'm like desperate to know, (laughs) have they always been writing this really amazing content? Please tell me they used to suck like I used to. So that's the only time I think having that little freaking annoying drop down (laughs) in the sidebar is beneficial. So if your clients really want to make it easier for people to see how sucky they used to be. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. And the last thing you should really leave out are recent posts. And I say recent posts specifically because that's what the blog is for. Everyone knows if they want to see the latest posts, they go to the blog page. So instead of including uh, recent posts and wasting space with that, use something like popular posts or featured posts instead. This one is a big pet peeve to me because 
this is an automatic, I think this is one of those automatic widget areas that WordPress adds, like when you're first installing yeah. it. And it's like, no one needs this. Mm -hmm. Literally take this away because why are they on my blog and also looking at the recent posts? Again, I can see if this is beneficial if you went all the way back to the very first post someone <laughs> ever wrote. And then you needed to quickly navigate back to like their blog post from Wednesday or something, for example. But let's be honest, no one is using either one of those widget areas. So come on, y'all. Come on. <laughs> Gosh. All right. We've beat on the sidebar enough. Let's move on to the footer. And we're going to kind of go through the same things here. But the footer is a little more, a little simpler in my mind. So we'll fly right through this one. Before you get started, Krista, on the footer, I think it's really fun to point out that my footer is how we know each other because I remember and I still see it in my tweet deck every single time I open it where you private mess private messaged me on Twitter and you were like hey I'm writing a blog post about footers can I include a screenshot of yours and I remember being like why is this weird girl asking me if she can include a screenshot like just take it and include it I don't care and I was like yeah sure whatever just mention me or tag me let me know when the post is live and I'll share it so, major props to my strategic footer because mm -hmm. that brought us together. Hey, you must not have thought I was too weird because now we have a <laughs> podcast, client projects, theme shop, mastermind. Hello. Oh my gosh, we have everything together now. But it was the footer that started it, was, it all. It was all because of the footer. This one, maybe that's why it's my favorite thing to talk about in the world. <laughs> Designing a strategic website that gets your clients results and turns around to benefit your own business is no small feat. It's an all new process and way of thinking that needs to be added to your design projects and it can take years to figure out how it all works. But I've got a way for you to speed up the process. Design Your Own Pixel Perfect Production is a workbook and ebook combo to lead you through every step of the process, including improving your own website, getting your clients real results through a perfectly strategic design, and knowing the questions to ask before and after the project to be able to have real results to compare. If you're ready to learn the exact steps you need to craft a strategic website, implement it flawlessly, and see results in your own business, head over to getbacktodesign.co slash strategy workbook to learn more and use the code getbacktodesign for $10 off your copy. After that, prepare to take action and see happier clients, better testimonials, more referrals, and those higher paying clients you've been waiting for. So let's dive into where people go wrong with footers. First is forgetting about it completely, and a lot of designers are still doing that, and they aren't considering the footer as kind of something to worry about in website designs. And instead they include like site credits or links to policies and terms, and that's it, and they call it good. So that's definitely a big footer mistake I see. And last is just kind of using it as a dumping ground like the sidebar. You're gonna have clients who know that the footer is a good spot, or maybe you just don't feel like thinking about it and you use it as your own dumping ground. That is another big mistake. So very similar to the sidebar. Don't forget about it and don't just throw random things in it. But what you need to know before diving into the footer, just like the sidebar, you need to know your client's goals. But the difference here is that you wanna consider what goals people are gonna be ready for when they have made it to the footer. So they are either down there because they're looking for something really specific, like maybe social media links or a search bar, 
or they have scrolled all the way through a page without finding something else to click on and now they're at the bottom of the site. So unlike the sidebar, that's also something you want to consider here. I think something else good to point out here is if they have gotten to the bottom of your client's website, that means they probably really like what your client is doing. So for example, if they landed on a blog post, they read the whole entire post, and now they're at the end of the site, you want to still have something strategic for them to do next because clearly, hey, they like what your client is doing. Yeah, yeah. They're they're usually not getting there because they're bored and hated everything. Yes, that's a good point. (laughs) One other thing you need to know before diving into your strategic footer is knowing what pages to not include the footer on. So this is kind of like the sidebar again, um, but the difference is that the footer should actually be on almost every page. The only exception here is when you're trying to really make a sale or get something really specific. So take it off sales pages, take it off of landing pages, Um, services pages, things like that. When there's a really, really specific goal in mind, it's good to get rid of the footer. So again, there's nothing distracting them from what you really want them to do. That's interesting to take it off of services pages because I've never thought about that, but I can definitely see, especially how my footer is like as of Mm -hmm. recording this, how it could be really distracting to people who are just like looking for the one Yeah, exactly. Like people are scrolling, scrolling through and seeing like your get started buttons or whatever. And then all of a sudden there's this random thing at the bottom when instead it could be great if it was just that final button like, hey, you have a decision to make, you know, so. Yep. And if people are anything like me, like I would scroll to the bottom, get distracted by Instagram yep. and wind up in a rabbit hole that I would never get out of. Then I'd be like, who even is this person what like two hours doing? later? Yeah. I want to buy nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. OK, so let's dive into what to include in the footer. And this is a little different than the sidebar because you don't necessarily want to include something that supports quite as many of your clients supporting goals. And you might choose to just include something that supports the number one action they want their visitors to take. So a very common example of this is the email opt-in. A lot of our clients, they're focused on those. So instead of supporting, you know, building trust through blog posts and a whole bunch of social media accounts, you might choose to just focus on the email opt-in in the sidebar. Uh, From there, there are a few other things that are always helpful to include that might not necessarily be reflected in your client's goals. But that are those are things like the search bar. If it's not anywhere else on the website, please put it in the footer so people can search this website. Uh, Social media links, if they are anywhere else. And a navigation menu. If the menu at the top of your client's site does not scroll with the page and there isn't a back to top button, having, you know, the same pages linked in their top menu, also in their footer, is a really great way to make the website easier to use. So overall, think of the footer as a place to support one important goal while making the site really easy for people to use. I have a question for you here about the navigation menu in the footer because we both actually have menus, but they are not the same exact menus that we have Mm -hmm. in our main one. And at least I don't think yours does, but I know mine doesn't scroll. So I'm curious what you think about doing something like that, because for me, and this is really bad to say, you can totally yell at me while we are recording this, <laughs> but for me, I kind of use it as a dumping ground for extra links that are too much or too distracting to put in the 
header. So like resources, um, a landing page for my email list, a link to like the podcast website. And then I think I have an extra link for like contact or something like that. But it's sort of, like I said, it's like a dumping ground for etc links yeah I actually I do the same thing so (laughs) it can be really helpful to just include the same links if you want to mix it up and you know kind of get strategic there you totally can I'm looking at my footer right now down there I have work with me contact podcast and my workbook because podcast and workbook didn't really fit in my header menu and I really want people to either contact me or work with me so I have those in there too so I guess just kind of think about what makes the most sense if you don't want to think about it or if there aren't other links like that like Corey's resources or whatever you can just include the same ones that are in the header that makes sense good thing to think about uh now a couple things to not include in the footer so basically, think, ask yourself, what isn't someone going to want if they've made it to the end of the page without finding something they're interested in? So asking for a purchase is a big no-no. You basically don't want to do that. Even though I told you my workbook is linked in the footer, for the most part, you just don't want to do that. <laughs> the goal is at this point is to keep them on the website. And if they didn't you know, find anything they wanted free on the page they just viewed, they're probably not going to make a purchase. So just kind of think about some things that are easy for people to say yes to that you can include. So that's why having that menu there is really great. A search bar is great. And, you know, something like an email opt-in where they're getting something in return can be really helpful. So something I just thought of while you were talking about what not to include is actually a little bit on what you can include. So like what I was talking about earlier, if someone has, you know, certain things that we would put in the sidebar, but it's not enough to like create this whole sidebar section, then I think you can easily bring that stuff into the footer. So while you may just want the email opt-in as like the primary thing, I think you could still throw in a headshot and a bio and keep just two things down there or be strategic about including something like that elsewhere, maybe like below the blog post. And I know that's not what this episode is about, but including things like that, you know, the the bio section and social media links, I think they can help boost that number one main goal, depending on what it is and help build trust, et cetera, et cetera, with your clients and their website viewers. Yeah, that's a good point. If if they don't have a sidebar or something like that, those are definitely good things to include. If they do have a sidebar, stuff like that could be overkill, but it definitely just depends on what the rest of the site has on it. Yeah, if they have a sidebar, don't put 45 headshots of them all over the site because that's doing way too much. Like if you have a headshot on your homepage, in your blog sidebar, on your about page, and in the footer, someone is going to be like, okay, I've seen way too much of this person. Especially they, if it's the same one. Yes, they care way too much about themselves and what they look like. So on to the next. So yeah, <laughs> consider that as well about like what not to include. If you are including this, you don't have to actually repeat everything down there. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Good point. So a quick recap for today. Uh, sidebars and footers 
can be really strategic and benefit your clients if you put some thought into them. And as you've heard, it's not that hard. Uh, They don't have to be random dumping grounds that include crazy items, but go back to your client's goals and only include things that support those goals. So your action steps for today are to look at your own website or the latest web design project you did and kind of think about how the sidebar and footer can be better on those. If it's your own website, go ahead and make some updates because why not? It's good practice and you can make your own website better. And then I want you to add a step to your design process to pay special attention to these areas so you can kind of make it a habit and not like accidentally skip it in your next project. Thank you so much for listening. For show notes, past episodes, and more information about the two of us, visit us online at getbacktodesign.co. If you enjoyed today's show, it would mean the world to Krista and I if you take two minutes to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Now put what you learned into action so you can streamline and grow your business, ditch the code, and get back to design. Oh, 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 oh